Welcome back to Fall Classic Rewind, the stories behind the World Series. We finally know what our World Series matchup is going to be. The Texas Rangers versus the Arizona Diamondbacks. Going to be starting Friday night. I'm recording this the day before on Thursday as we are going to sort of complete our recap and our reactions to these championship series. Uh, Of course, starting on the American League side between the Rangers and the Astros. But I just wanted to say, you know, not many of us would have imagined at the beginning of this season that we would have had this World Series matchup, you know, maybe in the middle of the season, right? Thinking, hey, the D-backs are playing well. The Rangers were on fire, right? Certainly looking like two of the better teams, but both went through rough stretches, kind of backed their ways into the playoffs. And when the playoffs began, not many were giving them shots to win their respective leagues, to win their respective pennants. Heck, even in the, in the midst of the championship series, they were playing, right? Not many people were going to be giving them shots, especially given the fact both of them had to go on the road, down 3-2 having to win back-to-back elimination games in really hostile environments. Minute Maid Park for the Rangers against the Astros and Citizens Bank Park, right? Facing, right, the respective pennant winners from the previous year, right? Most of us were thinking we were going to have a rematch of last year's World Series. It looked like the Phillies when they won game five. All right, they're going to go back home. Write them in. The Astros win all of the games down in Arlington, have that dramatic comeback, exciting win in game five that had a lot of fireworks, uh, both in terms of emotions and in terms of play. But both of these teams, man, the Rangers, led by Bruce Bochy and Nate Valdi and Adolis Garcia, right? And the D-backs, led by Tori Lavulo, Cattell Marte, Merrill Kelly, Brandon Fott, Kevin Ginkle, Paul Seawall. Like, there's going to be a lot of things, a lot of reasons why we're going to celebrate these two teams, right, for what they're able to accomplish. Because ultimately... You get to the postseason, you get in a series, nothing is given to you. You've got to go earn it, right? You've got to defend your title. You've got to defend home field. It's not just going to happen for you. Sometimes when the series comes down to it, you get outplayed. And, And we'll talk about with both of these series, whether it's missed opportunities Missed chances, inflection points in a series. But ultimately, what we can say uh, with pretty high confidence, right? Both of these teams, the Rangers and the D backs, they went out on the road and won in convincing fashion, convincing fashion to set up a date in the World Series against each other. How about that? We're going to start with game six between 
the Astros and the Rangers at Minute Maid Park. Nate Evaldi versus Framber Valdez. Brian Abreu's suspension kind of up in the air. A lot of tension. A lot of focus. A lot of energy heading into game six. We'll start with the highlights from that game after a word from our sponsor. Well, now this here's a song about the biggest state in the country and all of my favorite things. Blue bonnets and roses that are colored yellow. Rodeos and ranches all hat and no cattle. Cowboys with lowercase and uppercase C's. These are a few of the best Texas things. Rockets from Houston, Lady Bird in Hill Country. Turns of endearment by Larry McMurtry. Doug Som and the way Freddie Fender could sing. These are a few of the best Texas things. Big boots and big trucks and Austin City limits. Dusty and Bochy and James Rodney Richard. Barbecue briskets served on metal lunch trays. These are a few of my Texas mainstays. At the Alamo in San Antonio, when the Longhorns are bad. I simply remember the best Texas things, like Tex-Mex and I feel glad. Thank you. This message has been brought to you by Texas. Playoff baseball tests your ability as a player, as a team, as a manager, heck, even as a fan. It tests your ability to respond to adversity and respond to the flows of a game. What type of adjustments are you going to make in an at-bat, in a series, game-to-game, pitch-to-pitch, ending to ending, right? You can't win a series with one swing. Ultimately, sometimes a series will come down to one swing and come down to one play, right? There are major inflection points. We've covered many of them. But what makes playoff baseball so great to me is tracking it throughout a series, right? Seeing what a guy does, what are the stories behind it, right? So when that guy comes up for that big moment, right? What led to it? What made that thing so important? You know, heading in to game six, right? Many of us thought the moment had already happened a couple of times in game five, probably starting with Adolis Garcia's big home run, go-ahead home run off of Justin Verlander, that felt like the moment of the series. And then it was the hit-by-pitch, right? That felt like the moment. And then, of course, it was Jose Altuve and his response. And it generated a lot of takes and it generated a lot of things of, oh, what's the proper way to respond? Heck, I even 
was one to say, Garcia, what are you doing waking up the other team? Why did you lose your mind? And early in this game six, it's actually going to look like for Adolis Garcia that the moment did get to him and that he's going to be trying way too hard, right? He's a big swinger, always has been a big swinger. But we're going to see, and even in this first inning, he's going to go through a very rough patch. But man, is he going to respond later on? And uh, we'll have more on that. But adversity is on the other side of the coin too, right? For the Astros, who have struggled at home. They won all three games on the road. They're feeling great. But they're also aware of the fact that Minute Maid Park has not been kind to them. For whatever reason, right? And the guy taking the mound today, Framber Valdez you know, last year at Minute Maid Park in the playoffs, he was awesome, almost untouchable, right? And this year, he's been hit around. And he's been jumped on early, whether that was by the Twins or the Rangers. And so heading into this game, he's looking to change that tune just a little bit. Um, If you remember to game two, right? they were just jumping on the first pitch, whether it was Marcus Simeon and Corey Seager, basically to start the game, first two pitches, they were on base. Well, Valdez is aware of that. And so he's a little more careful, but too careful with Marcus Simeon ends up walking him on four pitches, though the pitches were kind of close. He then gets Corey Seager to pop out and then strikes out Robbie Grossman. And then, gets Adelis Garcia to chase completely out of the zone. Now, I don't think any of the pitches were even close to the strike zone. Garcia, early in this game, out of sorts, just swinging f- out of his shoes, just trying to barrel something and silence the Houston crowd, which is showering him with booze every time he steps up to the plate or does anything on the field right? Focus is on Garcia. And in many ways, rightly so, right? He, he did make the moment about himself. Um, but there is going to be a way that he'll be able to silence it. But this crowd's going to get loud very, very early on. They're going up against Nidavaldi, one of the best postseason pitchers in the game today. A guy who is He's just a dog, man. Like, he battles. He comes right at you. Um, But he gets into a little trouble in this first inning. Jose Altuve lines one into right center. And then, after he steals second, Michael Brantley draws a walk. Alex Bregman hits a deep fly ball, but not enough on it. Gets caught by Leody Tavares. And that brings up the big man, Jordan Alvarez. And when you come into a game like this, right, you had that big momentum swing. You just want to continue it if you can, right? And the Astros offense and Jordan Alvarez early in this game are going to take advantage to the best of their ability.
the 1-0. And Alvarez missed it in the shallow center. That's down for a base hit. Altuve around third. He will score. Brantley goes to second. Gerdon Alvarez drives in his eighth run of the series. 1-0 Astros. Well, they got in on him. He's able to muscle it into shallow right center field. A great read by Jose Altuve, knowing exactly where the outfielders were, and he scores easily. And we have a first-inning mound visit now by the pitching coach of the Rangers, Mike Maddox, before Jose Abreu stands in. That's Steve Sparks and Robert Ford for uh, 790 KBME in Houston the Houston Astros radio broadcast team. Again, that's exactly what you're looking for to start off this game if you're the Astros. And think about you've now got more runners in scoring position. This is a chance to add on. But big game, Nate Evaldi, well, he's going to shut it off right there. Gets Jose Abreu to line out kind of weekly. Corey Seager comes over to get it. And then, after a seven-pitch battle, he's able to strike out Kyle Tucker, who has had, well, just frankly, he's had an awful series. And that's going to continue for him, unfortunately. Um, You know, one of the key things is Tucker has come up in big moments in this series and not been able to come through uh, for the Astros. And again, that's going to continue. But what do I always preach if you listen to this show? When you score, especially when you score early, what your what your starting pitcher or whoever is out there, right? What you need is a shutdown inning. Go up, put a zero, keep that lead, get your team back in the dugout and continue to put the pressure on the opposing pitcher. But with Mitch Garver at the plate, who had a great series against the Orioles, not as great against these Astros. On the first pitch of the inning, he's going to erase that lead. Pitch batting 222 this postseason with one home run and eight runs batted in. It'll be followed by Heim and then Lowe. And the first pitch here is lifted high into the air. Deep right field going back on this is Tucker. He's at the wall. He leaps and it is gone. A first pitch home run for Mitch Garver hit into right field. And just like that, the Rangers tie this game at one. We talk about how Framber Valdez can get rattled. And uh, maybe that'll do it. Mitch hits a 94-mile-an-hour fastball, 375 feet. Pitch was toward the outside part of the plate for Mitch. His second home run this postseason, his ninth run batted in. And that makes him 3-for-18 now in the series. That was his first extra base hit. What a swing by Mitch Garver, who's driven in a lot of runs this postseason. You know, been a... Come up with key hits. Uh, time and again for the Rangers in these playoffs. And, you know, that's what it takes in the postseason, right? Sometimes it's Jordan Alvarez and Corey Seager uh, who carry you, but sometimes it's the other guys. Uh, They've got to come up with big hits, um, especially when your guys like Corey Seager and Marcus Semien have been struggling a bit. Um, And once again, it's really important, like, 
<laughs> All right, you got down in an elimination game, but you immediately responded. Right? Because the more a deficit stays around, the more tense you get as the opposing team, as the as the team facing elimination. You start, you know, the other team is counting down the outs till they go to the World Series, and you're counting down the outs until your season's over. But now, all right, back to square one. Uh, and you get a chance to reset that count, essentially. Now, credit to Valdez, who's able to get out of this inning after giving up a two out, a, a one-out single to Nathaniel Lowe gets Josh Young to ground into a double play. Um, also, to mention, Kyle Tucker had a beat on that ball from Mitch Garver, and if we're playing at another ballpark um, where it's not as short to right field, Tucker might have a chance to actually run that one down, but it ended up being, I think, into the second row. A fan uh, reached up, grabbed it with his bare hand, making a pretty impressive catch, but uh, plays at the wall are something that are going to be important to keep in mind, especially with our next run-scoring opportunity, which is going to come in in the fourth inning after a missed opportunity in the bottom of the third by the Astros, right? Michael Brantley had a one-out walk after Jose Altuve just missed a home run. Alex Bregman ended up striking out against Evaldi. Uh, and after a Jordan Alvarez intentional walk, Jose Abreu grounded into a force out. But in the top of the fourth, after Robert Grossman flies out and Garcia strikes out for the second time, once again chasing, Mitch Garver puts together a great at-bat and then gets an infield single in the hole. Jeremy Pena tries to do a Derek Jeter but gets nothing on the throw. What an at-bat by Mitch Garver, who's done a tremendous job, right, of of putting pressure on Valdez. And that brings up Jonah Heim, whose only home run this postseason came against Framber Valdez. You know, he got off to a really good start in these playoffs, but has slowed down the last couple of games. And he's going to hit a ball, right, to right field that in any other ballpark is an easy flyout. But in this one, well, just take a listen. Short lead for Garber, who does not run well. Abreu holding him on. Valdez comes home, and there's a high drive hit to right field. Angling back toward the corner is Tucker. He is at the wall. He leaps, and he makes the catch. Or does he? It's history. He didn't get it. It's a two-run homer. As Tucker went up there, reaching into the fans and did not come down with the ball. Jonah goes the opposite way and the Rangers lead 3-1. Wow. How big is that Mitch Garver at bat right now? Falling behind in the count, fouling off a couple of pitches after two strikes, getting on board with a single that just bled through into left. And here, Jonah gets enough of this 0-1 pitch to get it over the right field wall. That was just beyond the reach of Tucker who timed his leap well, and his glove was in line. That ball was just beyond his reach. That might have actually grazed off the very tip of his glove. 
as Jonah picks up his second home run of the postseason. They've both been hit off Valdez. That's Eric Nadell and Matt Hicks on for 105.3 KRLD, Texas Rangers Radio. And I remember watching it looking like, oh, did Tucker caught it. And then, oh, no, he didn't. And uh, again, he had a beat on it, but uh, John Smoltz actually on the TV broadcast did a pretty good job of breaking this down where Tucker's momentum, right? He's chasing the ball. He overruns it just slightly and has to jump back, right? And in doing so, he's too close to the wall when he starts his jump. So as he's going up, he hits the wall, which prevents him from reaching back. And as described, it goes off the tip of his glove, the top of his glove. If he doesn't hit the wall when he's jumping up, if he doesn't have to do kind of that turnaround, he's able to just keep a beat on the ball. He catches this one easily. It was frankly a catchable ball, right? But you've got to position yourself and you've got to time it right. And Tucker, who's had a rough series, right? Not able to get the job done. And it's interesting. Tucker was a gold glove finalist, I believe, in 2022. In fact, he might have won the gold glove. Um, a really well-regarded defensive outfielder whose numbers, defensive metrics, didn't love him in right field this year. And, you know... That's the type of play, if you're going to go to the World Series, have a chance to defend your title, your right fielder needs to make, right? Or at the very least, he needs to make up for that with his bat. And certainly, Tucker has not been able to do that. And ultimately, it's now a 3-1 lead. You know, both of the home runs that Valdez has given up, you know, in this game are not they're not bombs by any stretch of the imagination, pretty much wall scrapers, but all that matters is they go over the fence. That's that's as much as they count them. You know, hitting it, hitting it 15 rows deep, all well and good. But all that matters is the runs are scored, and it's a 3-1 game, two-run re- lead for Nate Avaldi, and he's going to maintain that lead for his team keeps rolling. He does give up a run in the sixth inning, right? Um, Jordan Alvarez and Jose Abreu lead off the inning with back-to-back base hits, uh, but then Kyle Tucker rolls over and Mauricio Dubon uh, is able to get a two-strike sack fly to bring in Alvarez, but Jeremy Pena grounds out, keeping it a 3-2 ball game through six innings. Astros bullpen comes in, does its job in these middle innings. Uh, Phil Maton and Hector Neris, you know, get us to the seventh, keep it at three runs. And in the bottom of the seventh, you know, given the struggles that the Rangers bullpen had in game five, right? Talking about Chapman not able to get through innings. LeClerc had to go long, ended up getting beat in the ninth inning. Bruce Bochy is going to want to ride Evaldi as long as he can. Because ultimately, right, a guy, your starter in game six, unless under tremendous circumstances, he's not going to be available for game seven. And so 
Avaldi gets Martin Maldonado to line out to left, but fourth time facing Jose Altuve, he's unable to retire him. Gets another line drive into center field, and Bruce Bochy goes to his pen, brings in the guy who has been the surprising standout of the bullpen, who's like out of nowhere been the guy for these Rangers, been the guy to put out the fire multiple times. He goes to Josh Spores, and well, Josh Spores is going to deliver once again for Bruce Bochy and the Rangers. Here's the 2-2, and it's bounced to the right side. Simeon has it, pivots, goes to second for one. Seager to first, big stretch by Lowe, double play! What a play by Nathaniel Lowe, stretching toward right center and somehow holding the bag. They complete the 4-6-3 twin killing that ends the seventh with Texas still on top. We go to the eighth, 3-2 Rangers. That's such a huge, huge play for the Rangers, especially when you consider who was on deck, Alex Bregman and Jordan Alvarez, right? I mean, that is the key. Michael Brantley coming up, who, you know, had hit Eovaldi well. That's why he was up in the lineup, but a costly, costly double play, sort of a missed opportunity there for the Astros. Now on the top of the eighth, right? Brian Abreu actually comes in, you know, his, his suspension is sort of held in abeyance as he's appealing it. And as we find out, um, ridiculously, they uphold the suspension, but they're going to kick it to the start of the regular season, which to me, I'm like, Hey, if you get suspended for something in the postseason, it should count in the postseason, or you shouldn't have suspended him at all. Um, but anyway, it's neither here nor there because they rarely ever are going to hold someone out of a game seven. Uh, they don't want things to be determined by that. Anyway, that's not important. What is important in this inning is Evan Carter leads off with a single. And although Abreu is able to strike out Adolis Garcia, who once again is swinging wildly, his fourth strikeout of the game, mind you. Number four, Golden Sombrero. <laughs> after, after getting plunked, he and getting showered with booze every single time. Mitch Garver in a 3-1 count hooks a slider down the left field line to make it a 4-2 game, right? Again, we talk about these costly, costly things. Keeping it a one-run game would have mattered so much for the Astros. It would have put so much more pressure. But Abreu, who has now given up runs you know, giving up base runners and runs in his past couple of outings, right, is not looking like the same guy who, you know, went July through uh, through the middle of October without giving up a run and didn't give up any runs last October, right? Him and Ryan Presley, of course, were, were absolutely electric. But that means this game's a 4-2 game instead of a 3-2 game which is significant in the bottom of the eighth. Even with all of that, right? Bruce Bochy is hesitant, doesn't want to just go straight to a role as Chapman. So he leaves Josh Spores in, who does walk Alex Bregman, and then surprisingly dots up Jordan Alvarez, striking him out on three pitches. But Jose Abreu comes through with a base hit, which means it's time to go to Jose Leclerc in the eighth inning once again. 
right? Which seems like an odd decision when that kind of backfired before. But Leclerc, who bends a little bit, right, ends up walking Kyle Tucker, uh, but gets Mauricio Dubon to be overaggressive and line out weakly to shortstop. With the bases loaded, Dusty Baker sends up John Singleton, who had that great at bat, drawing the walk to set up Jose Altuve for that clutch home run in game five. John Singleton, once again, is going to work a great at bat. We're going to go full count. We're going to get pitches fouled off. But this time, Jose Leclerc is going to shut the door in the eighth inning for the Rangers. So now a seven-pitch battle between Leclerc and John Singleton. Singleton steps away now and settles back in from the left side. Feet wide apart, straight up stance. Pinwheels the bat twice and loads up. Leclerc the set, the payoff pitch. He struck him out swinging on a 92-mile-an-hour high cutter. Singleton strikes out. And the Astros leave the bases loaded in the eighth. No runs, a hit, three left, and we're going to the ninth. Rangers four, Astros two. Such a significant moment there, right? And what feels like it could be the ball game. But of course, this is also familiar to game five, right? Leclerc had to come in got a huge out, a significant out in the eighth inning, but then had to sit and struggled in the ninth. And so if the Astros can keep this a two-run game, they're still going to have a shot. They're going to have, right, basically the top of their order coming up after the ninth spot. But this is where Dusty Baker makes an interesting decision, right? He decides not to put Brian Abreu back out there um, and also decides not to go to Ryan Presley, which I think is a mistake, right? You've only got two games left. I know you want to trust other guys, lay off of your other guys, but as we're going to see with what happens in this inning, I think it's a major, major mistake because... Rafael Montero comes into this game and is unable to get the job done. Walks Josh Young after a 10-pitch at-bat. Leody Tavares reaches on a chopper, which Jose Altuve misplays. Marcus Semyon then gets a base hit after an 8-pitch at-bat. And then in comes Ryan Stanek. But he immediately, on the second pitch, with the bases loaded and no one out, uncorks one. Hits Corey Seager in the legs. Obviously, no intention there. But that makes it a 5-2 ball game. And then that Bruce Bochy is maybe able to relax a little bit. Get a roll as Chapman throwing. Get some other guys warming up. Stanek is able to strike out Evan Carter. You know, so one out, bases loaded. Just need a ground ball or maybe just keep pitching well. You can get your way out of this. It's a three-run ball game. Come back from three run deficits before, but going to be a tall task. But up steps Adolis Garcia, who's been swinging out of his shoes, chasing pitches, but he is just looking to barrel one, right? 
You know, all this this game has been kind of about him. You know, he's had a rough day. But his fortunes are going to take a turn for the better. And as we're going to see, he's going to use this moment right here to fuel the Rangers to take this series. One ball, one strike. Good pitch. Adoli swings and hits a high drive to deep left field. That ball is way back, and that ball is history. Adolis Garcia clears him off with a grand slam after four consecutive strikeouts. Not quite the celebration he had two days ago, but another slow jog around the bases as Adolis has broken this ball game wide open. It's 9-2. to two. We got a 1-1 fastball, and it was a liner into the Crawford boxes. Just a bullet up into those boxes. And how good must that feel for Adolis Garcia? Again, we have seen this before. All it takes is one good swing on one good pitch. And Adolis now has 15 RBIs for the postseason and 10 in this series. It's his fifth postseason home run, his third in the series. And here's Jankowski who has not had a plate appearance in the postseason. He's appearing in his third game, and he takes outside for a ball. Adoli's getting high fives and hugs in the Ranger dugout. There's a swing by Travis, and there's a high fly ball to deep right. Tucker going back to the wall. He leaps, and he's got it. Tucker stole that ball from a fan. As Jankowski with a bid for what would have been his second home run of the year is denied. And just barely... There are now two outs in the inning. I really thought he had gotten that one. Oh, my goodness, what a catch by Tucker. Absolutely robbing Jankowski of that home run. The ball was almost in the hands of a spectator. What was once a tightly contested game is now a rout for the Rangers. A 9-2 to two lead with that grand slam from Adolis Garcia. And it was almost 10-2, if not for Kyle Tucker deciding to bring that one back when he had opportunities to bring the other two earlier in this game. You know, that's one of the best catches you'll ever see from Kyle Tucker in an absolutely meaningless moment in an elimination game. Right? Um, and Tucker, kind of by his reaction, Knows that, right? Um, but man, what a moment there for Adolis Garcia, who, you know, very few people in the history of the game have struck out four times and then hit a home run or hit a grand slam in the same game. I believe Reggie Jackson did it twice in the regular season. It's happened a couple of times in the postseason where guys hit a home run, but no one's ever hit a grand slam, right? just rising to the occasion there, gets a fastball at the top of the zone and rides it on out of there. And now Bruce Bochy can breathe easy. He can sit down LeClerc, bring in Andrew Heaney to get the final outs of this game and send us to a winner-take-all game seven. Where all bets are off, right? Like, you 
you cannot predict anything, right? It'll be all hands on deck for both teams. And it's going to be fascinating what happens in this game seven, but heading into it, right? The mirrors to 2019 just can't be overstated. All of the games, the road team has won, just like in 2019. And just like in 2019, Max Scherzer is going to start for the road team. And like in 2019, Max Scherzer's not going get, to get the decision. He's going to have to gut out some innings. But a lefty starter from the road team is going to get the win. I'll have more on that as we get through this ball game. But, you know, we talk about deflating losses and how do you respond, right? Texas responded well to a deflating loss coming on the road, right? And they probably feel this series should already be over, right? That they should have held on that game, but now you got to play a game seven. And what manager would you rather have managing a game seven than Bruce Boshi? He's never lost him. He's won a game seven of a World Series. He's won a game seven of a championship series. That's a guy who's unafraid of the moment. Now, on the other side, Dusty Baker has never won a game seven. And in fact, he's blown three two leads before. At home, he's been up 2-0 in a five-game series and lost to Bruce, Bruce Bochy in 2012, losing all three games at home to lose a series, right? So Baker has been here on the negative side before, right? Like, it's, um, it's very interesting. Very, very interesting what's going to happen in this game seven. Now the Astros feel pretty good. They've got Christian Javier who's been, you know, they call him El Reptilo, right? The reptile. Cause he's cold blooded, right? These moments don't phase him. But in the top of the first, after he's able to get Marcus Simeon to ground out on the second pitch, he falls behind Corey Seager. And it looks like from the jump, Corey Seager in this Rangers lineup, they've got the adjustment made for Christian Javier in his high fastball. Here's the 1-0 pitch to Seager, a swing and a high drive, well hit right field. That has hit a mile. That ball is history. A mammoth home run for Corey Seager into the upper deck. And the Rangers grab a 1-0 lead in the top of the first. Wow. That is impressive. And you know, in game three, Corey got to bat three times against Javier, and he flied out the center all three. Two of those were very deep shots. He missed twice hitting a home run against Javier. Here, he does not miss a fastball that was up near the top of the zone. 440 feet into the second deck, and the Rangers lead 1-0. What a swing 
by Corey Seager demolishing that one to right center kind of reminds me of what he did to Dean Kramer of the Orioles, right? Just immediately set the tone for a shellacking. And well, trouble is going to continue for Christian Javier, who falls behind Evan Carter and then walks him, though the pitch was a strike, right? They just didn't call it. It was kind of on the edge and, uh, Javier didn't exactly hit his spot. And then, like, the Rangers from the jump of this game immediately dictate everything that's going on. Javier does not hold runners well. He's slow to the plate. Maldonado doesn't throw well. And so, on the second pitch of the at-bat with Garcia up at the plate, Carter steals second, right? Easily. Nothing there to do. And Garcia, who gets into a full count, like Corey Seager, he's going to be all over that Javier fastball at the top of the zone. And the payoff pitch. And Adolis hits a high drive to deep left field. Going back is Brantley. He turns, he looks. That is off the wall. It's in play. Carter heading home. Adolis thought it was a home run. He only gets to first base. And the Rangers lead two to nothing on a single by Garcia off the wall in front of the Crawford boxes. Well, he managed to get a good swing off there and almost knocked it into the Crawford boxes. But he stood and watched, thinking that it was a home run. He could have made it to second there, but ends up only at first. Remember, it's only 315 down the left field line and 366 to left center. Nadolis thought he had cleared the 19-foot high wall, but he did not. So he's at first base with one out. Now, Javier does not hold runners well. The Rangers have already stolen a base, and they have swiped uh, in this series, as we told you, seven, but only two runners have stolen bases. See if Adolis takes off. And on the first pitch, Adolis does take off, stealing second base, And he is brought in by Mitch Garver, right? Who picks up some more postseason RBIs, uh, who bloops one into left center. Chaz McCormick, who's playing center field instead of Mauricio Dubon, the superior defensive center fielder, gets a bad jump on the ball that should have been his. Michael Brantley tries to come in, uh, but this is in kind of no man's land. Tries to make a dive. It kicks off of his glove, allowing Garcia to score, making it a three-run first in an elimination game. Exactly what you're looking for if you're Texas, not if you're what you're looking for for Dusty Baker, who, you know, after Jonah Heim picks up a two-strike base hit, gets Javier out of the game. Javier retires one batter, one single batter in this game that's it not what you want in a game seven like the history of hey guys who only retire one batter or don't go deep in the game seven not good unless you know some guys have used openers in the past like all the way back in 1924 the senators did that you know kind of as a ruse but this was not strategy this was completely unexpected and phil maton has to come in And uh, he gets two strikeouts uh, to stop the bleeding there in 
the uh, in the first. But man, oh man, not the way you want to start. Now, in the bottom of the first, the Astros are going to respond to Max Scherzer from the get-go. Max Scherzer, who's not himself, but is a competitor, right? He goes out there and fights. Jose Altuve leads off with a double down the left field line. And after Max, uh, after Alex Bregman grounds out, Jordan Alvarez has intentionally walked after getting to a 3-0 count because Max Scherzer's like, well, I'm not giving up a two-run homer here. And so that brings up Jose Abreu, who's looking to, hey, get some of these runs back. He represents the tying run. And he is going to get things started for these Astros so that they do have an answer. It's just not as much as the Astros are looking for. High set. Now the 1-1. Rounded up the third baseline. Fair and past the dive of Young. Kicks off the side ball. Altuve around third. He will score. Alvarez goes to third. Jose Abreu, an RBI single. 3-1 Rangers. Abreu's been strong this postseason. A lot of RBIs. A lot of big RBIs. That's a chopper right down the line. And the Astros are on the board. Abreu with his 13th RBI in 11 games this postseason. That's a really big swing from Abreu to answer back, right? But what happens next is even more important, right? You you make it a 3-1 game. When you give up three runs in the first inning, right, you need to score at least one to to think you have a chance to come back, right? Um, but the costly thing that happens, right? Max Scherzer with Michael Brantley at the plate, first and third, right? All he's got to do is hit a fly ball, get another base hit, find a way to extend this inning, and maybe the Astros can make it 3-2. Maybe, in fact, they could make it 3-3. Start this thing all over again. Get the bullpen working for the Rangers. But on the first pitch, he grounds into a 4-6-3 double play, just a little two-hopper right to Marcus Semyon, who flips it to Corey Seager. And the Rangers are out of this inning. Really key moment there, right? Where, And this is going to be a little bit of a pattern. The Astros answer back, right? They make something. They, they make a little effort to come back, but it's just not enough. Just not enough in this ball game. Hunter Brown then comes in, uh, is able to work around a two-out Corey Seager double, but puts together a scoreless ending, exactly what you want. I was a little shocked, honestly, that Maton uh, didn't come back out for that inning because it's game seven. You you want to get as many outs from your top guys as you can, right? Maton is one of the better relievers the Astros have. And, you know, Dusty Baker's decision-making in this game is going to be criticized. And, and I believe he makes some mistakes, but ultimately what it comes down to is when your starter gets you one out, when you were expecting him to probably give you 15, that makes that makes the job a lot harder. It makes the job a lot harder, that's for sure. Max Scherzer 
responds. He he walks Chaz McCormick, uh, but he's able to get a couple of strikeouts of Jeremy Pena and Martin Maldonado. Uh, people were criticizing, hey, with the starter out of the game, why don't you just pinch hit Yainer Diaz right there? And well, part of the discussion is whether or not Diaz should have just simply been playing over multi, Martin Maldonado, but well, that's neither here nor there in my opinion. There are a lot of other reasons why the Astros are going to end up falling short. And part of that is because Dolis Garcia in a 3-2 count against Hunter Brown is going to continue his torrid, torrid streak against the Astros at Minute Maid Park. It doesn't matter what Adolis does right now, it will be met with a round of booze. Count is three and two. Here comes Brown. And that ball was hit high and deep down the right field line. Tucker looking, it is gone! Inside the right field foul pole. An opposite field home run for Adolis Garcia. The home run streak stretches to four. The Rangers lead four to one. Adolis, as he crosses home plate, holds his right arm up. Now he does a little skip off the dirt circle, a little side straddle to Josh Young as they celebrate his dinger before he drops down into the dugout. Just an impressive swing by Adolis Garcia, staying on that fastball that's almost off the plate outside and riding it out of there, no doubter. He can stand and admire that one, no doubt about it. 4-1 Rangers. As you hear them talking there, that moves him just one RBI behind Nelson Cruz for the most RBIs in a championship series ever, ever. Oh, and Garcia ain't done in this game. We'll, we'll get back to him in just a little bit. And it's just a... <laughs> Man, there's something about guys who can channel that energy correctly, right? Be fired up. And it looked like in game six, if we're being honest, Garcia wasn't channeling the energy correctly. He was swinging wildly, chasing, but he just needed to make contact with one of them, right? And so that grand slam in the ninth inning of game six, you know, that game was already in hand, pretty much. But he's carrying it over to Game 7. And, well, they're going to continue to ride that momentum and ride that energy. Not without a little bit of fight from the Astros. Jose Altuve grounds out up the middle. Nice play by Marcus Semien. But Alex Bregman steps in, and, again... Alex Bregman is a guy who is high up there on the list of all-time home run leaders. He's pl- he and Altuve have played in a bunch of game sevens. You know, he is a postseason stud. And off of Max Scherzer, he's going to do some damage. The 2-2 to Bregman. Pops it. Left center field. Really high. And that is... 
far, far away. Bregman goes deep, it's four to two. Fourth home run for Bregman this postseason and the 19th home run of his postseason career. That ties him for six all time with his former teammate George Springer and Albert Pujols. And the most by a third baseman ever. Here's Jordan. Great, short, powerful swing by Alex Bregman to make this a 4-2 ball game and ultimately, you know, make Max Scherzer work. And a really key sequence happens in this game, in the bottom of this third inning. Jordan Alvarez fights off a bunch of pitches and somehow finds Barrel on a curveball way out of the zone and rocks it off the left field wall right in front of the Crawford boxes. And he speeds all the way to third for a triple, right? Putting himself 90 feet away from making this a 4-3 ball game with Jose Abreu and Michael Brantley coming up. Well, Max Scherzer goes to work, gets ahead of Jose Abreu, gets him to chase, and then gets him to ground out weakly to third base. No shot for Alvarez to score. And then Bruce Bochy makes the move that kind of seals this game. He fires his best bullet. He brings in Jordan Montgomery. Right? Told you, left-handed starter coming out of the bullpen in a game seven, in the key moments. And Montgomery gets the job done, right? Hey, two and two-thirds is not what you wanted out of Max Scherzer, but when Jordan Montgomery is going to help bridge some of those innings, yeah, Bruce Bochy can live with that. He's called. Hey, he's called on his lefty starter to come out of the pen before. Remember Madison Bumgarner, right? Remember Tim Lincecum coming out of the pen, like calling on starters, calling on guys to do things they haven't done before, right? I've talked about it at length. It is such a key weapon to use. And hey, sometimes it blows up in your face. Dusty Baker's aware of that. Dusty Baker brought Max Scherzer into a playoff game with a lead in 2017 against the Cubs. And Max Scherzer completely fell apart. And it cost the Nationals the game in 2017, right? A game they should have had. But an elimination game where a starter wasn't able to give them enough and they tried to push for more. So, hey, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes you ride guys too long. But Bochy knew the moment, and Montgomery knew it too. Michael Brantley lines out weekly. Actually, not weekly. He hits the ball pretty hard, but it's right at Corey Seager, who's playing right up the middle. And here comes the ball game, folks. The top of the fourth. It's a 4-2 game. Dusty Baker kind of curiously goes to JP France, but I do understand it. He's looking for someone who can give him some length. Just get him to the sixth inning, right? You don't, like, you've used Naris a lot in this series. You've used Abreu a lot. You've used Presley a lot. You maybe think you can get two innings from those guys, but not unless absolutely necessary. And you already fired one of your fireman bullets. But interestingly enough, Dusty Baker, who has his 
one of his best starters, potentially available, Justin Verlander. Justin Verlander's sitting in the dugout. He's not out in the bullpen, right? And so it's going to be the task of J.P. France, a rookie in a Game 7, who's handled himself well this postseason so far. But this is going to be too much for him. Gives up a leadoff single to Josh Young. And then after striking out Leody Tavares, he completely loses his command, walking Marcus Semyon on four pitches. He then gives up a really, really hard infield single from Corey Seager, who rips it to first. Jose Abreu somehow keeps it in the infield, but it redirects off of him to make it so nobody can make a play on it. Nobody can get an out. Sending up bases loaded for the rookie, Evan Carter. And well, one rookie who's only been in the big leagues for about a month is much more primed for the moment than the rookie who's on the mound. The pitch to Carter, swung on and lined down the right field line, hooking fair. It lands right on the chalk. One run is home. Two runs are home. The Rangers lead it by the score of six to two. Seeger ends up at third. Carter at second on a two-run double. And it was that changeup that we're talking about, a pitch that's been very effective for Brown and Carter able to get a hold of it. He hooked it down the line. I think it hit chalk. Hit it right off the end of his bat. For Carter, RBIs four and five over the postseason, and he gets his seventh extra base hit. What a swing by the rookie Evan Carter to continue his great overall postseason debut, right? I mean, this guy's been in the big leagues for not even like a month and a half, and He's performing admirably. Has struggled a little bit more this series against the Astros, but comes through in a big moment there. And kind of curiously, you can almost hear the broadcasters talking about it, right? Dusty Baker isn't, like, he's only just now getting Hector Neris warm in the bullpen, right? Like, that moment was needed after he walked Marcus Semien, and certainly after he gave up a base hit to Corey Seager. And he's going to fall behind Adolis Garcia, right? I mean, a 6-2 game, a 6-2 deficit is hard to come by, but you need to shut it off right here, right? You can't allow anything more, anything more to come through. But Garcia, who doesn't like to walk, has yet to walk this postseason, right? You know, his free bases have been via via hit-by-pitch, right? He's going to be aggressive, and anything he gets close to the zone, you know he's going to put into play, especially because he has a chance to make postseason history right now. Hector Neris up in the Astros' pen, right-hander. That's all they have, of course, righties. 2-0, Adolis swings, it's a ground ball through the left side, it's a base hit. One run home, and here comes Carter to the plate, he will score. It is 8-2, Texas, and Adolis Garcia has a new American League Championship Series record for RBIs. How about that? 14 of them for Adolis. 
He gets a hold of a 2-0 curveball, definitely a hittable pitch. Yanks it through the drawn-in infield on the left side. Now that is a major league LCS record. And the Rangers have busted this game open. It is 8-2. In an instant, what was a 4-2 lead is now 8-2. And by the way, J.P. France isn't even, like, taken out here. He goes another two batters, right? Gets a pop-up to Mitch Garver. And then after a single is replaced by Hector Norris, who gets them out of the inning. You know, keeps it an 8-2 ball game. But that's so deflating for the Astros. And, I mean, I will say, it. I think the mistake for Dusty was putting in J.P. France into this situation, I can understand why. I can understand, like, hey, I need some innings, right? But it's game seven, right? You want to lose with your best pitchers on the mound, and frankly, J.P. France is not one of them, right? He's the reason why he's a fifth. he was a fifth starter and, um, you know, not a guy you relied on in in middle relief, right? You know, watching a lead balloon to 8-2 while Hector Neris, Brian Abreu, and Ryan Presley are sitting there. And Justin Verlander, by the way, but that isn't necessarily all Dusty Baker's decision. You know, if Justin Verlander came to him and said, I'm pitching, right? You know, but hey, Verlander, who's had two Tommy Johns in his career, given how old he is. That's a lot to ask of a guy uh, who's like over 40 years old, right? But ultimately, it also comes down to, won't the Rangers just make it hard, right? If J.P. France comes in, you know, gets a double play in that situation, we, we, you know, we forget about it, right? And, uh, you know, and, and maybe the final score of this game is a lot closer than it ends up being, but... Ultimately, Texas goes and takes this, right? They they come into Houston and they take the series. They really are the road warriors here, right? They beat them at every facet of the game. And uh, as this game goes on, right, Jordan Montgomery gets a key shutdown inning despite allowing two base runners, right? Once again, uh, you know, Yanir Diaz is not used to pinch hit with runners on uh, in this fourth inning, you know, but... At this point, the game's already lost, right? It's 8-2. There's not much you're going to be able to do, right? And oh, by the way, the Rangers add on, right? Nathaniel Lowe gets a two-run homer in the the six off of Brian Abreu, by the way. Brian Abreu, who um, actually hits Mitch Garver, right? Hits Mitch Garver uh, with a fastball. Um, which might have been intentional. I don't know. Uh, who the heck knows at this point? Uh, but another home run where uh, Kyle Tucker had a chance to try to bring it back, but he fails to. Now, Josh Boards comes in in the sixth after Jordan Montgomery, you know, has two scoreless innings, sets himself up for the win. Um, you know, Jordan Alvarez gets a run back off of a Roldis Chapman in the seventh, but since it's 10-3, right, 
not much. And oh, by the way, Adolis Garcia homers off of Jose Urquidy uh, in the top of the eighth. <laughs> and so that brings us to the ninth inning. Right, Jose Leclerc, even in to protect an 11-3 lead, he immediately gives up a home run to Jose Altuve, by the way. Uh, it kind of just goes to show, man, if the Astros had find have had found a way to keep this close, this game could have been a whole lot more interesting given the back end of the Texas bullpen not being the most reliable. But, you know, Leclerc allows two more base runners in this inning. But he comes up, two guys on, Kyle Tucker at the plate with a chance to send the Rangers back to the World Series, take down the defending World Series champions, win all four games on the road. And Leclerc, who's gotten the job done, save one time this postseason, is going to get it done once again. Neftali Feliz was on the mound when the ALCS ended the last two times the Rangers won it. Leclerc ready now, 1-2 pitch, ground ball, second base, Simeon's got it. On to first to Nate Lowe, and hello World Series! The Rangers have won their third American League pennant. They stream out of the dugout and are jumping up and down between the mound and first base. For the first time since 2011, the Rangers are going to the World Series after having six consecutive losing seasons. What an amazing year this has been. And there's more baseball to be played. A great call there from Eric Nadell, who gets to call World Series again after he got to call two in back-to-back years in 2010 and 2011. But... Since then, the Rangers have yet to be back. I mean, think about this. They lost over 100 games two years ago. They lost over 90 games last year. Completely remade their team, remade their front office, and chose the right man to lead this team. You know, they were really, really good. Probably the best team in the American League for a good stretch of the year. And then... You know, they lost, I think, like 16 out of 20 games or something like that. They had a really rough stretch July, August that allowed the Astros and the Mariners back into the division race. But here they are, the wild card team in the playoffs, going to be in the World Series. How about that? How about that? for these Texas Rangers. We're going to have a lot more to say about them as we get ready for the World Series and the matchup with the D-backs. And, you know, the Rangers were going to have home field advantage either way, whether they were facing the Phillies or the D-backs, right? They're going to have home home field advantage either way, though the way they've been playing on the road, they've yet to drop a game. 8-0 and on the road. I mean, think about that. One, two in Tampa, one, two in Baltimore, one, four in Houston. <laughs> Something special. Bruce Bochy, undefeated in game sevens. Right? <laughs> Something about him, man. He's going to go down 
as one of the best managers managers of all time. And who knows how long he's going to manage the Rangers for, right? And who knows what their future holds for them. But it's so crazy that he's able to do this. And he has a losing record for his career, right? People forget that. <laughs> Dodgers and Giants at the end, not very, very, not very good uh, for certain stretches. But when he's gotten them to the dance, he takes them far. It's what he does, right? He's a special manager. For the Astros, it's really disappointing. You had a shot. And like in 2019, it almost feels like what what just happened? How did we not get it done at home? Right? And sometimes you just face a team that outplays you. And, you know, if you flipped up the, the order of the games and all that stuff, it maybe wouldn't be as shocking, right? But the only two series of seven game in, in all of the major professional sports, right? You know, aside from like a Calder Cup final in the 90s, the only, the only team to lose four games at home in a seven-game series? Yeah, it's the Houston Astros 2019 and 2023. A lot of the same people on there. Justin Verlander. Alex Bregman, Jose Altuve, Jordan Alvarez, Kyle Tucker, Maldonado, right? Some other faces there, different managers, different ancillary pieces. It's hard to know what is to blame for the Astros' home struggles. But it's a uh, <laughs> it's a shock. I thought that they were going to be going back, but again, that's why we don't make predictions here. Because they're worthless <laughs> when it comes to postseason baseball. Um, well, it's not that they're worthless. It's just that there's a lot. It's a high variance environment. And uh, anyway, what a job by the Rangers! And uh, we will be covering the the D backs and their wild ride and their comeback against the Phillies. Uh, we'll have that in our next episode. What I will end on is the career of Dusty Baker. And perhaps I'll do another tribute video later on talking about the highlights of his playing career, some of the things of his managerial career. Um, but what an icon, what a legend who announced today um, that he's hanging him up. Right. We thought it might happen after last year, after he won, but he wanted one more shot. He wanted a chance to get two, right? Cause two world series, that's, that puts you in special territory, unable to get it done, but man, everything he's given to baseball and everything baseball's given to him, a great player, a phenomenal manager, the inventor of the high five, Dusty Baker. I can't say enough words about, that would do it justice, right? All I can say is love that man. Loved him when he was the manager of the Nationals. Thought he kind of got a bit of a raw deal. And, you know, his only shot to get back in the game was to take over the mess that was the Houston Astros organization. And, hey, man, he did it. Taking them to four straight ALCSs, two straight World Series, and winning 
the whole darn thing last year in 2022. Dusty's one of the best managers we've ever seen. Not as much postseason success as some of the others, but as we've always discussed, the postseason is a different animal. And it really does test your mental. It does test your adversity. And Dusty has responded time and again to it. He's just also been on the wrong end of a lot of bad luck uh, in his career. Bad hops, bad bounces, bad things. But each time when he's been given an opportunity to come back, he has. And he's responded well. And it's unfortunately a fitting send-off for him, losing in a game seven. Unfortunately for Dusty Baker, it's fitting. And especially up against Bruce Bochy. But Dusty brought so much to this game. So much joy, so much love. What a great, great man. Baseball was all the better for having him. We'll miss you, Dusty. Coming up in the coming days will be a recap of Game 6 and 7 at Philadelphia, the Diamondbacks coming back and surviving in that series. And we'll, of course, have plenty of coverage for the World Series between the Rangers and the Diamondbacks. So many great storylines heading into this series. Until then, catch you next time on Fall Classic Rewind.